Uh, I want you to take your Bible and look in the book of Psalms 51. All the way over there to the Old Testament. Psalms 51. Now, most everybody has heard of King David. And everybody loved King David. Because King David, well, he would never do anything wrong. He was a man after God's own heart. And um, he just sat around all day long, singing to the sheep and playing his harp. Well, the, the old boy, he grew up one day. Became the king of Israel, and when it was time to go to war, he says, I feel tired today, and that old lazy boy sure looks good. So he stayed home, and he got up, and he looked out the window, and lo and behold, he saw something he shouldn't have seen and wouldn't have seen if he hadn't been there. The Bible talks about not making provision for the flesh, not making opportunities to get in trouble. And it's one thing for a blackbird to fly over your head. But when you let that bird land in your head and build a nest and lay eggs, you could have stopped that. You may not stop all the bad thoughts from coming through your mind. But when you let that little thought stay there and harbor there and live there and dwell there and hatch there, now you went too far because your way you think is going to control the way you act sooner or later. And your evil thinking can get you into trouble sooner or later down the road. Now, nobody's perfect, and you know that, but just because nobody's perfect isn't a means for you to see how unperfect you can be and then use that as an excuse. Well, nobody's perfect. Of course nobody's perfect. But God still expects his children to be godly. And so he gives us a way of dealing with these problems. And one of the things is abstain from every appearance of evil. But what did David do? Well, he didn't do anything really wrong. He just asked her if she wanted to see the inside of his palace. And lo and behold, it got worse after that. He probably thought, oh, it'll never go any further than this. Hello. And she said, hello, big boy. And he went, blah, 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 and ruined his testimony. He had a man killed. He committed adultery. And then he... He tried to get somebody else in trouble. And all of this, and Prophet Nathan came and says, Thou art the man. You're the man. I think that's the first time they've come across it. Hey, you're the man. <laughs> you're the man. And he didn't want to be the man, but he was the man. He was caught. God knew. God told on him. Ooh. And it doesn't matter if nobody sees what you do under the cover of darkness. God sees and God says, be sure your sin will find you out. It's like a detective. And it will be revealed. Sooner or later, God has a, a ways and means committee. David felt bad, lost his son, and he had such remorse. And it makes this statement here in the book of Psalms 51. This is where he kind of comes clean with the Lord. Look in verse 2. He says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. In other words, all these flashbacks couldn't get rid of it, the guilt. It's all there. For I acknowledge my transgression. Verse 4, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified uh, when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Because when God has to judge a person, God has to be clear. He has to do right. He has to do according to the law. His word is his guide. God gave the word, and he has to go by the word. 
So he says in verse 5, he says, I, I, was, I was born in sin. I, I, I had a, a sinful nature. I, I was shaped this way. Uh, I got that from my mom. And my mother did conceive me. He says, you desire truth in the inward part. Now he says in verse 7, uh, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Ever heard that song? Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Good song. Well, this is where it comes from. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Because of the way he began to feel because of the sin. Now, the pleasure of sin he enjoyed. There is pleasure in sin. If it wasn't pleasurable, people wouldn't do it. But there's a price to pay down the road. And he wasn't thinking down the road. Just like a lot of God's people. Said, Boy, I'll never commit adultery. Boy, I'll never do this and I'll never do that. Yeah, but you're not walking with God. Just because you didn't rob a bank doesn't mean you're, well, I'm okay. No, no. If you're not doing what God says do, it's just as bad. Are you doing what God says do? Are you a soul winner? Do you study God's word? Do you talk to him? Do you want God's will for your life more than anything else in the world? So he says in verse 12, restore unto me my salvation. No, restore the joy. The joy. See, it cost. He doesn't have the joy. He, he forfeited that. The peace. Now he has sleepless nights. And you ought to read another psalm. We don't have time to go there. But it goes down there. He says, the, what the Lord wants. Look down there in verse uh, uh, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. That's what God's after. God wants his children yes, to realize that when you mess up, you messed up. But don't stay there. Correct the problem. You fall in the mud. Don't stay in the mud. If we confess our sins as a child of God, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And whenever you confess those things to the Lord, now you can restore the walk. If you restore the walk, you restore your fellowship. You see, you don't confess your sin and it restores your fellowship. No, that's not true. That's what some guy named R.B. Thiem teaches, and I despise the teaching. I don't know if you ever heard of the guy or not, but that's a teaching, and it's not good, and it's not true. So the Bible tells us there's things that it's going to cost you, and are you willing to pay that price? Uh, look there in uh, Philippians in chapter 2, the book of Philippians and chapter 2. Here we have... The Word of God telling us how to think, how to think. And in chapter 2, if you'll notice there in verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. In other words, this is how Christ thought. And it also makes a statement in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, of that um, like Christ looking beyond the cross, endured the shame because of the joy. He was looking beyond, looking down the road. You see, Christ, when he came into the world and down the cross to pay for all of our sins, his vision didn't stop at the cross. He was looking beyond the cross. He knew what this payment would accomplish. And what it would accomplish was worth his death. You and I, there's things that happens in our life, and you have to look beyond the sufferings that a godly man may have to go through because you know It'll be worth it because you look beyond this life. If your vision extends no further than this world, you'll never serve God. 
You have to look into eternity, the way it's going to be forever. This is temporary here. And that is what helps you to guide your decisions now. So here in Philippians in chapter 2, because of the way that you should think, it's supposed to affect our life. So look at verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now this is not talking about how to get to heaven. This is talking about being delivered from the things that will try to destroy you in this life. Because we live in a crooked and perverse generation, as you'll see down there in verse 15. So God wants you and I to realize we're not working for our salvation. We're working out our salvation. See, God has saved you, given you eternal life. And because of that, he's left you and I here. And there's things in this world that want to destroy us. God wants to deliver us from the power of the present evil age. And that by our walking with him and accomplishing what he wants us to do with our life. For it is God that worketh in you, as he says in verse 13, to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, there's things in life that may not bring you at the moment this good pleasure. But let's just project ourselves into the future. Now we're in the kingdom. And you see now what God was talking about and how God is using you and all the wonderful things like a paradise upon the earth and the honor that's been bestowed upon you and the position of leadership or whatever it might be, the rewards, the crowns, whatever. You'll be so glad you did. But you might have in the back of your mind, I wish I'd have done more. I bet you will never say, I wish I'd have done less. But you will probably say, I wish I'd have done more. If you don't say it, you probably will think it about what I could have done and how many opportunities we did miss. And he makes a statement here in verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, get this, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. If you do not serve the Lord the way God wants you to serve the Lord, then in this world you still will live, but you will not shine as the light of the world. See, to be the light in this world that God wants you to be, he's talking about the will of God being fulfilled in your life. But let's say you don't do it for whatever reasons. Maybe you got mad at the preacher, mad at a deacon, mad at somebody, and I'll never darken the doors again, and I'm not going to serve the Lord, and I don't support missionaries, and I don't support anything, and I don't get involved in anything. I don't do anything like that. All I do is criticize because somebody made me mad one day. All right, was it worth it? What you gave up for all that bitterness, was it worth it? You robbed yourself. You hurt you. You did it to yourself. Nobody did anything to you. You did it all to yourself. Nobody can stop you from serving God. Nobody can stop you from getting rewards in heaven. Nobody can stop you from being used in the kingdom of God. In whatever position, you did it to yourself. You robbed yourself. You traded it all. You exchanged it for something down here that was temporal. 
You let a little hardship, a little hatred, a little bitterness get under your skin and ruin you and keep you from serving God to the maximum. Now look at verse 16. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And there's going to be some people that are run, they're going to use their whole life, and they lived in vain. They ran in vain. They accomplished nothing. Now that's a choice. Nobody can make you dedicate your life to God. Now, Betty's dad helped me to understand some of these things 50 years ago. And I decided as a little old brat in Georgia, I had never finished high school. I finished the 10th grade. The reason I didn't go in 11th grade, my dad was still there. No. <laughs> I never finished. I murdered the English language. All the double negatives you listen. Man, I was, it was terrible. I'm the least of any person should ever be used. But I'm so thankful that God can use me. And I'm glad that 50 years ago, and I have no regrets today that I made a decision one day. I was sitting there in the church, and the choir at the end of the service, they all sung a song. And the name of the song was, I, I Surrender All. I sat there like a, a little baby, and I, I cried. I surrender all. Whatever I am, whatever I have, whatever I can be, I surrender to God. Whatever God wants, you're free to do with me anything you want because I have made a mess out of my whole life. I'm not very smart. I'm not very wise. But I want God's will for my life. Maybe he can do something with me. You ever seen people that you think that nobody can do anything with me except God? God's going to have to work in their life. God did a work on me. Not just in me. He did a work on me. And he's probably working on all of you. When he loves you, he won't let you go. He's not going to just let you go. He's going to work on you and in you so that he can work through you. Look at the other scripture here. In the book of uh, number 6 on the spiritual insight, look here in the book of Second Peter. Second Peter, there's a couple of them that I want to show you right here. Well, three points really because this is, this is so good. Second Peter and chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Because there's some things that you need to see. You will be barren if you don't serve the Lord. You're going to trade for something. You're exchanging something. And you think you're getting away with it because there's a little pleasure in this old world. And you'll trade all those eternal things for this little moments of pleasure. Look down in verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of God's children, they are barren. They're fruitless. They have eternal life. They're going to heaven when they die. But no, a lot of people never led anybody to Christ. Never even talked to anybody. If you don't know what to do, at least pass out a track. Plant seeds. Sowing seeds on purpose. Remember the story of Ruth? Sowing seeds on purpose. Lord, you've you got a reason for doing it. A farmer sows his seeds on purpose. Why? He wants something to grow. Christians sow seeds. And all you're doing is planting a seed. The internet service, wherever it goes, we want the seed, the Word of God. We want to plant seeds. Through the youth ministry or the little kids or, you know, Everything that we have, every, 
a lot of you individuals are soul winners. You talk to people. You got track. I, I was with uh, Gary Stephan the other day. We played a game of golf. And I mentioned something to this man about, I don't know, I can't even remember what it was. But anyway, I opened up a conversation and started talking about the Lord a little bit. And it wasn't long before Gary Stephan stepped right in it and robbed me. <laughs> no, but he, he, he gave the man a couple of CDs. And, uh, you know, the, 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 they're not the cheapest thing in the world. He gave him CDs of my sermons that I preached. He, he said after a year and a half, he, he, he found one good one. So he's, he, he was given, but then he started talking to him, and it wasn't long. He, he led the guy to the Lord. Now, I, I like it when people in the church, you know, they talk to people about the Lord. And I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of y'all in here that you will do that. God is going to reward you for that. It might seem like a little thing, but to the person who trusts Christ as Savior, when he dies and goes to heaven, boy, is he going to be thankful for the person who told him. Wouldn't you? If you in this room know you have eternal life, aren't you thankful for the person who shared that with you? What if they hadn't have done it? But they did. Somebody wanted you under the sounds of the gospel so bad. You'd be surprised what some people would do. Because they do care. And you don't want to be barren. You want to be a fruitful tree. Oh, look at verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Did you know that if you don't serve the Lord the way God wants you to, and your vision is only for this world, then you can't see afar off. So that would mean you are what? Nearsighted? If you can only see up close, and you can't see out there, then God says because you can only see here, and you can't see there, then you're blind. Now you may have 20-20 vision, but you can't see what God's saying. You don't understand and that's why you do what you do, and you live your life the way you do, and it's a haphazard. It's whatever you want to do. There's no commitment. There's no solidarity in your life. Because you can't see in eternity. God says you're blind. You can't see very far. And where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. The people perish. Because you don't have a vision. And then look in verse 10. Wherefore the rather... He says, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. If you fall in serving the Lord, it was a choice. Falling is a choice. Because you can keep from falling. Is that we're weak sometimes. And we're not strong Christians like we are. And we mess up. We have an old sinful nature. He lies to us, deceives us, lifts our head full of pride Look who I am, how great I am, what I can do. And, and we sometimes forget God says he has chosen the weak things of the earth, the base things. Because God says that no flesh shall glory in his presence. That's why he made salvation a gift. So that no man can take credit for it. So that no man can say, look, look what I've done. Look who I am. Christ says, without me, you can do zero. So if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, God is not going to save you if you promise to stop some bad things or start doing some good things. Forget that. It's not a sin issue. He's already paid for your sins. All that you need to do, all that you have to do,
is believe that when he died on that cross, he paid for yours. When you believe he paid for your sins, he puts that death payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for you. See, we're all born into this world with an old sinful nature. And all of our sins come from this old sinful nature. And God says, even to his children, when you become blind and you can't see you far off, he says in the last part there of verse 9, he says, have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins or the sins that comes because of the old nature. You forget God saved you. You'd be surprised how you can lose your confidence and lose your faith. The Bible talks about your faith being shipwrecked. And he talks about Hymenus and Philetus, how they overthrew the faith of some. In other words, the people don't know what to believe anymore. Because, see, unless you stay strong in the Word of God, you are not going to be very strong in this world as a child of God. So that's why you need to study, to be found faithful, to do right. Because if you don't, you're exchanging all this good security, this peace and the joy and the happiness, the purpose. You're trading all of that for something temporal that won't amount to a hill of beans and a hundred years from now won't be worth a quarter. Be wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is, and God will bless you for doing so. I want to give you one last verse in closing. Look there in 2 Timothy in chapter 3. 2 Timothy in chapter 3. And I want you to look at one verse, verse 12. To me, this is a very important point I want to make. In verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Did you know that if you choose not to live godly as a child of God, you forfeit the right, the honor, the privilege of suffering for Christ? Think about it just for a second. He said, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. And if you choose not to live godly, you forfeit the right, the privilege, the honor of suffering for Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can you grasp this? You see, sometimes we, we teach the Bible... And it seems like you're only scratching the surface. But sometimes there are deep points that are made that need to get into your little severum up here and, and a couple creases so that you can remember it always. Because it makes the difference in your whole life. So when I asked you, well, will you, will you serve the Lord? He said, well, I'll think about it. Don't you take this lightly. This is an important issue. You see, after you trust Christ as your Savior, this is one of the most important decisions you can make. Will I or will I not? And understand that there is a price to pay. You're exchanging something for something better. If that's a sacrifice, so be it. A sacrifice in God's Word is giving up something here for something better there. Don't sound so bad after all, does it? Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me and a wallet represent all of our sins. We're all sinners. Now, God loves us. He hates our sin. And for you and I to pay for the sin, because the wages of sin is death, is eternal separation from God 
in hell. And so since we're all sinners, we're all condemned, and the whole world is guilty before God. So we're all in the same boat. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We are all sinners. And God says you cannot save yourself. You can't change yourself. You can't change yourself. You are a sinner, and you can't change that. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Now, he hates our sin because it separates us from him. So what Christ did for one person, he did for everybody. He took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God said, if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did. And because of that, see, you and I can go to heaven because he paid for our sins. And there's no sins to send me to hell because he paid for all of them. I have eternal life, eternal union with the Lord. And he said he'll never cast me out, never lose me. And nobody can ever pluck me out of his hands. That is pretty good security. So, was I a fool to accept Christ as my Savior? It kept me out of hell. So I don't think that's been very foolish. I think it's a smart move. When I made up my mind, I'm going to serve the Lord. Doesn't that sound like a smart move also? It seems like a man who doesn't serve the Lord must be a fool. It's a sign that he's not very wise. Because a, a man would be a fool to turn down salvation. And I believe a man would be a fool to turn down service. Let's pray, shall we? If you're here this morning and have never trusted Christ as your Savior, realize that most of the things that I said was to those who already know the Lord. But if you're here and you say, I, I don't really know where I'm going when I die, I'm not sure. Then, friend, God says that you're lost, but He loves you. He came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And if right where you're sitting, you say, yes, that made sense to me, and I want to trust Christ as my Savior, as my only hope of going to heaven, and preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. Friend, would you just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. Anyone at all? God loves you so much. Paid for your sins. Will you trust him? If you will, God said he would save you and give you eternal life, and you'd get to go to heaven. You that have already trusted Christ as your Savior, have you determined in your mind, Lord, I surrender all, not for salvation, but because you are saved. You are his child. You're going to heaven. But you want everything God wants you to have. You want the love. You want the joy. You want to have a purpose in your life. You want the rewards that God has, whatever they may be, because you know it will be worth it all. I pray that you will.